0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to episode 108 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today, we'll be hearing from Kendra Holly of Peace, Love, and Low Carb and talking all about balancing flavor, our favorite ingredients, and I'm definitely hoping we get to talk about her low-carb cocktails as I know she's the author of Keto Happy Hour in addition to several other books. We've all experienced a food rut in the past or gotten stuck in that like Chicken and roasted broccoli kind of rut. Um, and I'm hoping that this episode can really bring us in some inspiration to shake things up.
2: Yes. So we're so excited to have her on as a guest. I'm just going to rock right into her bio and we'll welcome her onto the show today. So Kendra Holly is the face behind the popular food blog Peace, Love, and Low Carb, and the author of multiple best selling cookbooks, including Cravable Keto, Keto Happy Hour. 30-Minute Ketogenic Cooking, and the Primal Low-Carb Kitchen Cookbook. She has also struggled with her weight loss most of her life. She is the lover of all things low-carb and keto and a firm believer in the weight loss and health benefits of a low-carb lifestyle. After 15 years in the restaurant industry, she is a foodie through and through. In fact, if you ever sat down to a meal with her, there's a good chance that at some point during a meal, you will hear her say, God, I love food. I'm pretty sure we got that today. (laughs) When not in the kitchen or working on a new recipe, Kendra can usually be found traveling the globe, throwing weights around the gym, doing yoga, playing with her dogs, hiking, or just kicking back and relaxing. Her daydream is being surrounded by good friends, good food, and lots of laughter. She lives outside of Seattle, Washington with her husband, two kids, and her five crazy pups. So we will welcome on Kendra Holly. So hey, Kendra, so happy to have you on. We've been, both Becky and I, big followers of you for like ever on Instagram as fellow foodie lovers and can't wait for an awesome conversation.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you guys today.
1: Yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you ever since um, seeing your book come out, Keto Happy Hour. I'm really (laughs) excited (laughs) about getting my hands on that one especially, but um, your blog and Instagram are just absolutely gorgeous and definitely a source of inspiration, I know, for Allie and myself. So we're pumped to
3: have you. Thanks so much.
2: Our minds were kind of blown when we were looking into all of your books and the fact that you put out, did you put out three in 2018? Is that right?
3: Uh, I did, yeah. Like, How? I don't even. I don't even know. I feel like I blacked out. Like, I blacked out. <laughs> it's definitely been a whirlwind year, and to be quite candid, I'm looking forward to taking a break when I finish my current project. It's been you know, I, you live in this space where you're like preaching this method of health and wellness. And then all of a sudden you realize I'm not really taking that good of care of myself. And so I'm looking forward to freeing up some of my schedule to get back to, you know, some some things that really fill my cup up. Not that book writing doesn't, it's just very intense. And like I said, when I look back, I have no idea how I put out three in one year. Yeah. There's, (laughs) there's
2: always that yin and yang to like the input output thing. And we talk so much about the HPA axis or, you know, that fight or flight mechanism that, sympathetic versus parasympathetic state, and I know from just putting out my one book that took a year to write my second book, uh, that was a lot of output, so I can't, I can't Mm -hmm. imagine. (laughs) We
1: might need to send you some common clear,
2: (laughs) Some adaptogens. Yes.
3: Yes. (laughs) And i was like, fix me, you guys, fix me.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, well, I mean, that's amazing, so congratulations, A, Um, and I would just like to hear For our listeners, Kendra, um, just a little bit more about your story, how you came to start your blog, start writing books, and I want to also make sure that we hit on, I'm sure you will, how you chose the name of your blog, Peace, Love, and Low Carb, because I really liked reading that story, so I want to make sure that we hit it on here.
3: Thanks. Yeah, you know, I always tell people that it just kind of started out that I got in like an accidental career, and people are like, how do you get in an accidental career, and (laughs) So for me it had just kind of started with a need to lose weight and um this was a while before I even started my blog in 2011 I had a coworker that had said hey have you ever heard of the atkins diet and I was like, no, what is it? You know, and she just kind of pitched it from this way of like, Hey, we can eat bunless cheeseburgers. Like there was no nutrition, like <laughs> like mm-hmm, thrown into mm-hmm. that. It was just like it was like this pitch of like bunless cheeseburgers and low carb beer. And I was like, I'm in, you know, like I was <laughs> I was like, that sounds awesome. I was still working in restaurants, and so it gets, you know, a lot of late nights, a lot of going to the bars, because by the time the restaurants close, there's nothing else to do. So you're like hanging out with all your restaurant foods, you're just or restaurant friends, you're eating terrible food, you know. And the weight had just really piled on. And so that was kind of my first go around with like an introduction to low carb was Atkins, which is, I think where a lot of people came in prior mm-hmm. to like there being this huge uptick in keto. Um, and then it just, you know, it came off pretty effortlessly and I still had age and hormones on my side. And it just gave me a false perception of what health and wellness was. Cause I thought, Oh, the weight came off, I'm fixed. And then I just went back to eating all those foods. And so kind of fast forwarding a bit the second go around with that you know I started taking pictures of everything that I was eating and um just because I've always loved you know photography as well and someone's like you should start a blog and I was like you know what I should start a blog (laughs) and it was like I just I am like a researcher through and through like I am a perpetual student and so I'm never like, well, who can do this for me? It's always, well, how can I do this? And so I just started it on the blogger platform. I did all the HTML coding myself. Like, looking back at the evolution of the blog is almost more fun to look at for me than the evolution of my personal journey. Mm -hmm. And so, and then, you know, a lot of it came from suggestions. It's kind of funny. So, you know, it was 2011 Facebook's getting really big, even though it had been out for a couple of years and someone said, you should start a Facebook page. And they had just kind of rolled out pages. And I was like, I should start a Facebook page. And then I remember, like, so, like, distinctly sending a text to my friend that said, "Oh my god, I have three hundred and fifty Facebook followers! You believe (laughs) it? You know." And um, then from there, it just kind of like just honing my craft and realizing, like, hey, not only is this great for my waistline, like this is a lot of fun, and maybe I could do something with this. And then. I just decided, and it, when I first started it, like it had like private settings on it. I was treating it just like a journal, but I was writing and I was writing out the recipes and I didn't know anything about writing recipes. So they were pretty, looking back on some of those first ones was pretty terrible, but it's, it's all a roadmap, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so from there, like, it was just like, Hey, I'm going to make a go of this. And then by mid 2012, I said, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this. And by no means was I ready at all. We weren't financially ready. I wasn't emotionally ready. I just, I took the biggest leap of faith that I have ever taken in my whole life. And I just quit my job and I said, sink or swim, I'm going to do this. This is fun. I love this. And I, you know, I wanted to be a writer my whole life. I just never knew that it would be cookbooks and blogging. Like that's the only thing I ever wanted to be with my life was a writer. Yeah. So it's pretty cool that I ended up here. Um, I used to want to write true crime novels and now I write cookbooks, but I'm still writing. So... (laughs) And then fast forward today, it's like a whole brand and a whole business. And it's, like I said, always learning and growing. So your first
2: book came out then within that year or, and 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 that was self-published or through a a different publisher or how did that kind of come about?
3: So my very first book I self-published and it's still out there. It's still on Amazon and it's, it's really, it's like small, but mighty because it's, because I self-published it it's black and white and it doesn't have any pictures for the recipes so it looks tiny like it's almost a leaflet but it has a hundred recipes in it mm-hmm. and then awesome. in 2015 I signed on with a publisher and I put out my first professionally published book okay and then fast forward to now I'm with a different publisher for the current projects and my last three books okay
2: yeah. and so what about peace love and low carb where that come from
3: You know, I just am a firm believer that everything should be done with a little peace and love in mind. And low carb was my nutritional approach. And, you know, I just like kind of like the like water for chocolate type thing. I wanted, you know, just I wanted to impart a little bit of peace and love into everything that I did and into food and into the process. And I've kind of kept that as my mission through going forward with like just through kindness and understanding and grace and, you know, all of those things that I think are kind of embodied by the words peace and love.
0: I
2: love it. And I, I like, I, I was saying to you before we were recording, um, I, I think that the whole connection of authenticity and integrity is huge as well. And um, although we haven't met in person, I, I kind of that, that resonates really strongly when you're doing like Instagram stories or connecting to people this like no filter, no BS. This is what I'm feeling today. <laughs> this is what's going on. Um, and uh, I think that that rawness for better or worse, it can it can make us out there feel vulnerable at times, sometimes surprisingly so. Um and and how has that kind of evolution shifted from the 350 followers today and, and kind of self protection and 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 sharing your personal journey and where all that's at?
3: You know, I really stayed the course with just keeping it real and keeping it authentic and genuine. And, you know, it didn't wasn't something i set out to do but then once i tuned into the fact that so much of what we see on social media as it grows is highlight reels of other people's life that can make you feel unworthiness and shame and guilt i kind of took it on as my personal mission to to never show the highlight reel and so like i just put it all out there and i think the biggest turning point for me was you know i had lost all this weight and i started blogging and then i gained all the weight back and i can tell you exactly why it happened but I just really started feeling um, disingenuous and like I was uh, doing a disservice to people. And I really just felt heavy hearted. Like I was lying, even though I wasn't outright lying, I was a healthy living blogger, you know, and I had gained all my weight back and I was not healthy. And so I just kind of put out this post on my site and it was just like the most raw vulnerable thing I've ever done. And it was called, I'm a healthy living blogger with a secret. I got fat again. And I just laid it all out there. No excuses, just reasons, like Mm -hmm. insight, what I learned, how I could help myself go forward and put it off again. And there was some mean messages. You know, there's a lot of keyboard cowboys out there. Oh, we know. (laughs) But but for the most part, it was like people reached out to me and they're like, I'm sobbing reading this. You're telling my story. And I felt this like sense of community and connectivity that I had never felt. And that just like emboldened me to be like, this is part of my life's work is making people feel less alone and so like i'll get on there and i'll be like man i was so anxious yesterday or gosh i've gained some weight or you know life's not all roses or but then i share like these like the smallest simplest joys or you know like even my mindset of telling people like i'm not a naturally positive person i am cynical i am skeptical i'm crabby like i choose happiness every day and so I share all of that, and I have felt like it has really suited me in life and business really well because a lot of my readers, they've been there since 2011, and they have seen me stay the course with just truth, and even carrying that over a little farther, it's, I've built a trust to where I've like, you know, all of this influencer marketing. I might get a hundred products sent to me. I'll show you like four of them. Cause those are the only ones I'm going to use and buy, you know? So mm-hmm. like it even, it even carries over to influencer marketing, which is, we could do a whole other podcast all about how I feel about that. <laughs> totally. totally. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and how about, so within your journey, since it's been kind of uh, under the, the line, the, you know, bright light or whatever, people observing this for the last 10 years of your keto low carb shift. What changes have you made from, you talked about, you know, like how you'd been more standard American Adkins keto to today, um, and and I know the new book being Dairy-Free, kind of what's the connection there, and what evolution have you noticed within your body, your relationship with food, and I guess connecting that feedback of what you eat and how you feel, and, and how that's shifted the recipe development game for you?
3: Yeah, and that's been a huge piece, I'd say, over the last two years, personally and professionally, because... It's a learning curve, like I always am quick to remind people, hey like i didn't like jump right in and know everything about food or about nutrition, like like I said it, I literally when I first started, I would pick up I was still eating franken foods and weird packaged foods, and I literally <laughs> only cared about the carb count like that was it like i didn't yeah. know i didn't know any better, you know like I hate to say it like it sounds trite, but you don't know what you don't know, and I just didn't know anything about nutrition, but I knew that cutting my carbs was working for me, and so you know as it evolved, it became more about real food and ancestral approach and getting rid of those packaged Franken foods, and healing through food is kind of where I've gone now um and I hit a real turning point in terms of what food can really do for your body in 2016 so I signed on to do craveable keto with my publisher in October of 2016 and then in November I got whooping cough And I was sick with whooping cough until June, um, because there's there's nothing they can do. They can only treat it symptomatically, and you know, first they treated it as bronchitis because you know, if you hear hoof prints, think horse, not zebra, right? And so by the time they realized that it was whooping cough, there's nothing they could do. But then they were throwing so many antibiotics, thinking that it was that, that it was bronchitis, and then in June my cough, June, July, when my cough finally went away, things were turning around. I had finished my book because I had to write that book through that. Oh and gosh. then in November we went to Ecuador and I got Giardia. So in, then they put me on Cipro and Flagyl. And so like, long story, I guess even longer, I'm not a short story <laughs> person. <laughs> either. either am I. <laughs> like, yeah, no. in, in, that, in that one year's time, they had put me on six courses of antibiotics, which you shouldn't even have that many in your life. no, you no. And so my gut was ravaged and I popped oh. all of these food intolerances, like gluten, I already knew was an issue, but like I couldn't eat eggs anymore. I couldn't eat dairy yeah. Like My body was erected. There was just nothing left in my gut, like nothing. And so then I really, and then my mood tanked and I, you know, I really started focusing on like the gut brain connection and just getting back um, into healing my gut. So I spent the last year just doing everything I could to work on gut healing and then trying reintroductions. And then you just really realize that you don't know how bad you feel until you feel good. And Mm -hmm. it's the food that's doing it. You know, like I make this analogy to people like say you have a toothache on your left side of your mouth and you're putting off going to the dentist. So you're just chewing on the right side of your mouth. And before you know it, you're just programmed to chew on the right side of your mouth. And now your tooth doesn't hurt. And it's just your new normal. That's kind of like what it is when you're like, when you're, when you're running, you're not running optimally, you're running at a five because you don't know what 10 feels like.
2: I love that. I think that's so empowering. And it's, it's so interesting to see when you and Christina were on book tour together, because you guys kind of entered in like totally opposing areas um, (laughs) where, you know, she started with like AIP turning into keto. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you you started kind of standard American keto turning into a cleaner paleo ancestral approach. But, but I think that whatever our journey is getting to this, connection of what thrive feels like in the body, like you said, versus mediocre versus shitty. <laughs> yeah. And there's varied gears within the the process. And um, once you've felt thrive, even for a taste of it, there's, there's a lot of determination, I think that occurs within that connection, especially with some of the resources that are out there to stay in that mode and, and to continue to listen to that biofeedback and, and work with the system versus just silencing it.
3: Definitely. And I like, where Christina and I have converged is this great place, and I feel this shift coming. And I'm hope I hope I'm right about it because I have just like as with anything that grows, as there's been this uptick in keto, and ketos become so buzzworthy. There's this influx of all of these products that come to market that take people farther away from real food, and they make them think that they need all of these things, and yeah. you don't. All you need is food. And I just like, you know, just when paleo got really huge, all the paleo peas come out like, that's not paleo. That's not paleo. Well, can't we all just agree that real food is really good for your body? Like, like, let's just stop fighting over what's keto, what's low carb, what's paleo. And let's say like, let's eat foods that don't have ingredient labels because they're real whole nutrient dense foods. And I think we can all agree that that's healthy. You know, like if I put out a recipe that had peas and carrots and like the whole world like exploded and I said, look- (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look, you, look you guys I can 100% tell you that carrots never made me fat I wasn't fat my whole life because oh god I just love carrots you know like, <laughs> no,
0: no. like
3: can we stop demonizing vegetables oh I love know, that so food? much that happened to, to me <laughs> yep, yeah yep, like, I, I said that on my book tour because they're like well how do you stay under 20 grams of carbs I go I don't I fuel my body right. for what feels good like I don't right. stand under- it And I go, and I'm never going to be like, oh gosh, I ate too much broccoli with dinner. I'm over my carbs. That's awful. If I'm going over my carbs and it is whole nutrient dense foods, yay me.
2: Uh Uh-huh. And as the body adjusts, it's, you know, there's that whole concept and I love the idea of ketosis is a metabolic state not a yes or no food list yes. and yes. you know yes. um, we have this entire we we have a virtual food as medicine ketosis program and we have protocols as like a phase 1 kind of kickstart phase 1.5 phase 2 and Phase 1.5, people get freaked out because it mm-hmm. allows, like I have, for instance, uh, in my anti-anxiety diet, a carrot bisque soup. It's keto. It, it has carrot in it. Like, But it has three quarters of cup of carrots in more than 64 fluid ounces of soup with Full-fat coconut milk and ghee and bone broth and you know and it's like the macros are beautiful um, and I think when we get away from that light switch of on or off we create more of a sustainable real food approach to just eating you know it's not a diet it's not this this ledge that you can fall off on it's recalibrating your palate. And our big mantra is always trying to keep people savory um, and using real food when they have that need for you know natural starch or something like that, and then just make it work within the layout of the recipe.
3: And I agree completely. Like I, people came unhinged when I posted a veggie hash that had sweet potato in it, and like you're saying, I was like, it was one small pe- sweet potato spread yeah. over over ten servings. Right. And it's a sweet potato. Like I didn't right. be like, hey guys, I made this awesome veggie hash and I threw in a chocolate cake. Right. Like, <laughs> so and Pour some like, high fructose corn syrup in there. Yeah, and it's two
2: cups of sugar.
3: And I just hope we can get past this thing where people yeah. are actually trashing per- people on a personal level based on their food choices. Like, oh, right. how inhuman is that? Like, when you're like, you ate a sweet potato. Now I hate you as a person. <laughs> you know, like, oh, right. it's just a very crazy thing that we're in and I just hope that everybody can get back to this place of peace with their peace and love
1: (laughs) like eyes on your own plate you know right
3: Right. and and elementary school
2: and how sweet that um Becky and I did an episode where we're going to kind of shift gears now and start talking about flavors and such with you because we'd love to get some inspiration for our listeners getting into the holiday seasons and whatnot but we talk about you know like Rebecca Katz has the fat acid salt sweet you know and how sweet is a integral component of balanced flavor profile. And when you are keto and when your palate is savory, you can use things like caramelized onions to mimic sweet. You know, you can use things that maybe don't have necessarily high carb or sugar. Um, but it's, it's worth acknowledging like that one sweet potato or half sweet potato and what that does to elevate the dish And again, how that makes this a sustainable approach versus adding in a bunch of non-caloric sweeteners, which create that vicious cycle of expectations of false sweet and that kind of like addictive tendency. Um, So we're really about that kind of redefining this relationship of food and saying, you know, when you eat a Marcona almond, oh my gosh, that tastes so sweet. Um, And then, you know, working within that that profile.
3: Yeah. You know, I always tell people, if you can just get back like to letting your body do what it's meant to do and getting your, you know, it's like when you smoke for a lot of years, you can't taste your food. It's kind of the same way when you're dulling your receptors with sugar Mm -hmm. and carbs, you know? So all of a sudden, if you can get back to this place of cleaner eating, bell peppers are so sweet if you allow their true flavor to shine. Yeah. And I think where I had it a little easier in this approach is I've always gravitated towards savory, like in my cravings and like what makes me just feel really sated and nourished. Like I'm not a big sweets person. In fact, if, if I, my readers didn't request it so much, I probably wouldn't even have any sweets on my site. Sure. Um, but I mean, it's amazing what you can do. And like another thing kind of off topic, but a lot of times people don't realize that their cravings aren't what they're actually for and that they might have like this mineral or vitamin deficiency that's leading them in a direction of a craving. And a lot of people don't realize that, but like I always tell people like, and they always think that it sounds super weird. Like before I was trying to go primarily dairy free. And someone was like, Oh my God, I have like a raging sweet tooth. What do I, at night, what do I do? And I go, this is going to sound super weird. Just eat a slice of sharp cheddar cheese. And I swear to God, it'll Mm -hmm. go away because Mm -hmm. it's like, like, that taste is so strong, but so fulfilling. And before you know it, you're not craving sugar anymore. Like it's, I think that people don't are too quick to say like I don't like that or I don't want to try that if it's even remotely foreign, like outside of garlic, onion, salt, and pepper. You know, right? Sure. Right. But there's just so many things that can happen with just fresh herbs and spices. And I just like I am I am a spice hoarder. It is. Yeah. <laughs> It is, it is crazy.
2: Well, and nerdy, nerdy dairy fact is that the casein in the cheese, which is really highly concentrated in cheese for better or worse based on, you know, each person's inflammatory process, but that's what creates, it, it interferes with our opioid receptors actually. And so it can totally help with like addictive tendencies and, um, this like mindless munching. And that's actually what helps like babies sleep through the night. Um, so there is a, there is a biochemical yep. mechanism to that. You're onto something.
3: You're <laughs> right. yeah, oh my god, I love that. And I'm going to be like, I have. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, so smart. I have, well, no, I have proof that this works. Talk to Allie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> talk to Allie and Becky. They will tell you. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: so awesome. Um, so I think I read on your blog, Kendra, um, you said something around the lines of variety is the key to staying on plan. So I want to talk about, you know, what you do in your day-to-day yeah. and what your um, what you propose to your followers and your readers to do in terms of like a sustainable plan for I don't know, like a real life work week. What does that look like? Are you meal prepping? How um, do you expect people to incorporate your recipes into their meal plan? What's like the, the entry point?
3: So for me, it's kind of funny because my own personal methodology is a little different than what I am telling my readers, but that's just because I'm a food blogger and a cookbook author. So yeah. I essentially <laughs> I essentially live in a world of meal prep because I'm always working on new recipes. That is the job, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my job. Yeah. So like at any given time, I essentially have what looks like meal prep, but I just, it just means that I was working on recipe development. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So <but> I always <laughs> tell people like one of the other things that I've prided myself on through my site and all of my books is that. I keep it accessible and approachable. So there's nothing on my site that you can't find at your local grocery store. And in my books, it's the same way. Like I want people to live in a really small town, have access to one grocery store and still be able to make my recipes because it makes it easier. It makes it less expensive. But I just, my biggest piece of advice that I give people when it comes to meal prepping is start with, just start where you're at and then work into it, you know, and people will say, well, my, fi- my family, they don't like low carb recipes. And I'm like, that's just not true. What kind of food <laughs> do your do your family like to eat? So like, are you saying your family doesn't like soup? Your family doesn't, you know, there are a lot of foods that are naturally low carb or keto friendly. Like just don't make this proclamation that, Hey guys, we're switching to a low carb diet. Just, yeah. cook health, just cook healthy foods. Yep. They don't need to know. <laughs> they don't need to, you know? And so like, if, and someone's like, well, I don't have time to You know, dedicate time to meal prep, then the piece of advice that I give is, okay, well, if you want to cook dinner every night and if that's what works best for you, then just make a double batch because bam, within a week's time, you're a whole week ahead of freezer meals and you've only done the same amount of work. So just cook a double batch or a batch and a half or, you know, and then I say, but if you can, if you think you can even squeeze in like one Saturday or Sunday morning, all of a sudden you have your evenings free throughout the week and you're going to realize what a blessing that is.
2: Oh, for sure. There's nothing that makes me happier than leftovers. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs) I can't tell you.
2: And like, personally, I'll do like some form of a bolognese and some form of a taco. And that's like two meal staples that I just rotate the protein, rotate the, you know, toppings or whatnot. And that's, that's like a godsend in the middle of the work week for sure.
3: And I'm kind of the same way. Like I always tell people, like I said, variety is the key to staying on track because I know that people get so bored. Like the biggest thing that like, I can't eat another egg. Well, I get that. And so I say like, start simple with like, you know, here's some five ingredient recipes. Here's some recipes that are 30 minutes or less just to make it not feel so daunting. But me personally, I don't get tired of foods like that. If I like have something that I like, I can just eat it over and over. So if you were to come to my house at any given time, you're probably going to find some sort of taco meat because then I can use it for anything. You're going to find egg roll in a bowl. You're going to find dill chicken salad. Like these are like my staples or, you know, like just proteins prepped that I can build, you know, meals off of. And, um, and then I'm fine. Like I can just go, I can eat the same things indefinitely. So while I'm like cranking out recipes, I'm like making my husband eat them all. And then I'm like, no, but I just want to eat egg roll in a bowl.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. And do you recommend though, like in concept, like that kind of like matrix of eating? Like, so if you make a burger every week, you would just kind of rotate like one burger might be bison, one might be grass fed beef, one might be a pork blend. And then that might be kind of like Asian profile or, or you think it can can be kind of anywhere across the board as far as like meal prep or for people to wrap their mind around it.
3: Um, I think that always starting with the simplest, like, I think the thing that's going to, like, reach the masses, so to say, so, like, I tell people, hey, and I always try to ease people into meal prep, I almost feel like I'm tricking them into doing it, you know, like I'll (laughs) say Hey, like you can get a lot done even if you just cut down all your veggies and then here's how you store them so they don't get bad or watery, you know, like even just doing like that things. Or I say, like, it's summertime. If you're grilling, grill all of your meats for the week. Throw ribs, chicken, burgers, throw it all on the grill and then you have all of your proteins. Like, so there's, I think people just think the idea of meal prep is like this monumental task and it doesn't have to be. So, but I also think in terms of like rotation, I think people just need to stick with whatever sounds good and whatever is gonna keep them on track the yeah. longest and feel yeah. the less like a second job. I think so too, I think yes. that's great.
1: Yes. I love that. And, you know, if I'm going to turn on my oven, for example, especially in Houston where it's hot, you know, six months plus of the year, if I'm turning on that oven, I'm going to yeah. throw in, you know, not just one tray of Brussels sprouts, <laughs> but I'm going to do Brussels, broccoli, cauliflower, and I can usually fit one more thing. So maybe a protein or something and really just utilize this space and my time efficiently. And that's what meal prep really is. It's not like making you know 16 different little tiny containers of all of these things it's just making a big batch of stuff you can rotate and eat on and use in so many different iterations and you know varieties I saw a lot of like um breakfast skillets and things like that and I'm always doing that too but I saw those on your your blog that looked so yum Um, so I want to ask you Kendra about um your favorite ingredients right now and maybe some like interesting um inspiring
3: uh
1: yeah you're like top chef winning like yeah chef. you're hidden what's, what's in your basket
3: card <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where it came from but the last few months i have just been all about asian flavors so like the things that i'm going through the fastest right now are like uh fish sauce unseasoned rice vinegar ginger you know garlic onions sesame seeds so like there but there's so many different things you can do with just like take these 10 staple ingredients that are going to be like your classic Asian flavors. There's so many dishes that you can create. It's kind of like going to a Mexican restaurant. You can see a hundred menu items and they all have the same ingredients, but they totally. all taste, they all taste different. And so that's kind of where I've been like, I would like using any excuse, any excuse to use like, coconut aminos or tamari and then like I said like the rice vinegar uh, sesame oil like I'm just really vibing with those flavors right now Mm -hmm. and then just kind of seeing what things I can create in fact the book I'm working on now I had to like stop myself because I was like oh my gosh I just made like a dairy-free Asian cookbook and I'm like yeah Yeah, rebranded (laughs) rebranding but yeah that's kind of like those are my flavors right now. Like that's just what every, like every craving I have is just kind of geared towards those flavors.
2: That total umami. Yes. Yes, I just
3: Um. love like strong, bold, salty umami flavors. Mm -hmm.
2: And how about, so let's, we're kind of thinking of like flavor ruts. So that's definitely, I think an outside the box for many people. And that's probably a huge part of like the egg roll in a bowl. I mean, I think that's probably one of the most viral keto recipes that have been remixed and whatnot, which is the kindest compliment, right? Um, So many people having their versions out there. Um, Let's talk about some common like keto flavor ruts or maybe like staple ruts and and things that you would use as alternate. So like maybe starting with like zoodles, like zoodles is one of my ruts that like, chances are, if not every week, every other week, I'm going to make zoodles. What are other creative bases for you know, meatballs or like a bolognese top or things like that that I should be considering using in my kitchen.
3: Yeah, spaghetti squash is a really good one. And if you like perfectly roast a spaghetti squash, it has such great flavor. Like it's not going to be an exact. People say this doesn't taste like pasta. Well, yeah, it's not supposed to. But it's a great if you allow just the flavor of it to shine and you roast it right. You know, spaghetti squash, um, Shirataki noodles, certain brands, and if they're prepared right. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, cauliflower rice is always a good one. I mean, I like cauliflower has that kind of like viral cult following and low carb. Like that's kind of a joke. Like there is no happiness or joy. There's only cauliflower now. <laughs> I know. I know. It's the new, it's the sexy uh, kid on the block. Yeah. You and know, I'll a lot of get sick of it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Me too. Well, and it's funny. I didn't like cauliflower till like six years ago. Um, and a lot of times, and then like a lot of people wouldn't do this, but like my husband, John and I, we just like to put things on top of greens too. Yeah. Yeah, like, for sure. Or a lot of times I will make a huge batch of oven roasted vegetables, um, just with like a little bit of olive, avocado oil, salt, pepper, and then some fresh herbs that I've snipped from our herb garden or even dried. If you have dried, I do it with dried. And then a lot of times I'll use that as a base for like everything. So I would put like a bolognese sauce on top of these totally. beautiful caramelized roasted vegetables. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's, and there's a lot of options. Like I recently tried, uh, palm heart noodles and I surprisingly liked them. And that was like a great refreshing alternative to zucchini noodles. And, um, they're pretty much just all fiber and like the only ingredient is just palm hearts and they were pretty good. Huh?
2: And what have been some of the fun dairy swap outs for this book? Like as far as like cheese alternatives, are you doing like cashew sauces and
3: like what, what's kind of the go-to that you've been playing with there? So with this book, I'm I'm actually probably more excited for this book than anything else I've written because I kind of took it on as my personal mission to show people that dairy free keto, number one, is easy. And number two, that it's flavorful. And number three, and perhaps the biggest mission I'm out to prove is that dairy free does not mean that every single recipe has to have coconut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. Like I'm so like I'm not I'm not really a fan of coconut overall. Like I, I like it in some sweet dishes, but I just don't really sure outside of like a really good Thai dish. I don't feel like coconut has a place in all these savory dishes that have like, which like dairy free keto and paleo, everything is done with coconut. So Mm -hmm. I kind of made it my mission to step outside of that box and create flavor profiles that didn't include coconut, but that are going to make people not feel deprived. So, you know, for some of the cheese, I did use like nutritional yeast. Um, but a lot of it is just getting really back to all of these flavors that have nothing to do with dairy that make you not miss it was kind of my my game here.
2: Love it. It's going to be such a need. Um, I'm I'm just put out a guest blog for keto diet app on hidden sources of inflammation within your keto diet. And you know, of course dairy had to be named and it's like, and you can make my anti-anxiety diet. it's, It's not, you know, it's a book book, not a cookbook. So it only has like two dairy free options. And I feel like that's the biggest kind of pushback I'm going to get from the community of like, well, what do I eat? (laughs) So I'll just push them all to your book. It'll be perfect.
3: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm so glad you put out your book because one of the things that we still haven't evolved past as a society is the stigma around mental illness. And like, it's kind of like an area where we still kind of victim blame in a way. Like I've suffered with depression and anxiety and I'm not afraid to say it because it doesn't, it doesn't define me and it's not something I brought on myself. And it's something that I've had to work past and nutrition has definitely helped that but i think that the more resources that are out there like your book are going to help people realize that they're not alone and that it's not something that they have to silently struggle with and that they really can heal their bodies through food instead of a bunch of pharmaceuticals that are going to make them feel worse
2: oh for sure it's back to that dentist idea of you know being mediocre and white white knuckling through you know a diet program and that's often kind of the crux of chronic illness or weight regain or all those things because you're, you're needing that external dopamine food coma or numbing to escape that, that, that void, if you will. And so
3: yeah, that it really sure.
2: has to create that, that foundational support for sure.
3: Yeah.
1: So awesome. And, and I know, you know, both things that anti-anxiety diet and your new book, is going, they're going to kind of play in synergy and we'll definitely be referring people your way for more dairy free goodness. And as someone who's also pretty sensitive to dairy and try to pull it out in most forms, I can't wait to get my hands on that. Um, Thank you. So, I'll be sure to send you guys both a copy. Awesome. Too. Oh, Sounds you good. rock. You're yeah. awesome. We'll, we'll huh. trade you at Common Clear.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to ask uh, Kendra, about some kitchen tools, like specific tools. And I know Allie mentioned you're doing a kitchen remodel right now. So I can only imagine, you know, as a chef and blogger, what that's been like. Um, but kitchen tools you can't live without like what are your absolute staples that you would take with you if you were stranded on a desert island?
3: <laughs> you know, it's funny, this kitchen remodel has been really eye-opening to just how attached I am to my kitchen stuff because I thought, oh, okay, I could just bring over a couple things to this rental that we have and I'll be fine. And before I know it, I was like sending my husband over to go in our garage and get every tote of our kitchen stuff. Like, I'm like, (laughs) I need my things. But I think my biggest things for me, like, I actually made a joke about this in one of my books. I was like, if I ever lost a hand, I wouldn't get a prosthetic or a hook because I mean, a hook would be pretty badass. But I go, I would like, I would probably like attach tongs to my hands. (laughs) If I had had to replace my hands, I want a rubber spatula for one hand and a tong for the other. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah. so, like I just think like at the bare minimum like a quality set of knives um mm-hmm. and make sure they're sharp because a lot of people think sharp, yes. sharp knives hurt people no don't no. knives hurt oh. people mm-hmm. yeah. um cutting boards like stainless nested bowls like just mixing bowls and then like a good set of pans i would say are like that my like my must haves like i can create some pretty great things if i just have those basics
2: and what kind of pan are you using? A cast iron a lot? Are you using like a copper dip, stainless? What's your What's your favorite? Pan? I mean, are you using a lot more of a wok with your Asian sensations? <laughs> what's going on with your pan pan game? Yeah.
3: <laughs> even with those, even when I'm making like Asian themed recipes, I'm still just using like high sided pans. My my jam, like every piece of cookware in my house would be enameled cast iron if I had my okay. way. It is just like. Yeah, it's a healthy way of cooking. It cooks really evenly, and they're worth every penny because if you take care of them, they will outlive you. They're yep. like they're like cockroaches, and the end of days there's going to be cockroaches <laughs> and cast iron pans. Oh my God. That's,
0: like that's <laughs> all that's going to be left. <laughs>
3: And as
2: we're getting into the holidays, I saw you just sent out, um, like, was it a holiday guide or like a holiday recipe wrap up or something in your newsletter? Or there was some, some announcement, something that popped up on my phone. What are some, some kind of favorite ideas or, or flavor profiles for dishes during the holiday season?
3: Yeah. So I just sent, I think what you're referring to is I sent out a newsletter with some, um, low carb, keto friendly, you know, gluten and grain free Thanksgiving recipes. Okay. Um, and I feel you know we get at, we get ahead of ourselves. We like live in this world where like the Christmas stuff's out in Target in September, and you know you're <laughs> yeah. like oh my gosh, and but you know you have to kind of keep up with those trends of what people are want. And I also want to send them out early so that people are prepared because someone's like, can't we get through Halloween first? And I was like, yeah, but can't we also be prepared for Thanksgiving so we're yeah. not stressed out? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm a firm believer that like. I don't believe in diets, I believe in lifestyles. So my husband and I and our family, like, we're not gonna take a pass on Thanksgiving from our lifestyle or healthy eating. We're gonna just put those same flavors into the template of how we eat. And so I've worked really hard to create a lot of healthy uh, recipes around those typical traditional Thanksgiving flavors. You know, like I have a green bean casserole recipe on my site that like I would take over the like canned green bean cream and mushroom soup fried French onions, like any day, you know, it's just hands down, it's real food, it's low carb. And so um, I've really been kind of working on getting, gearing up for those holiday recipes to help people that want to, you know, stay healthy and stay on track during the holidays, instead of feeling like, because everyone's diving face first into a a bowl of mashed potatoes and gravy, uh, they don't have to.
2: Right. And I think it's a fine line between, you know, we've done, we, we do kind of a you know, so right there's the cauliflower mash with you know truffle salt or whatever as an alternate, and, and there's always the like, do you mimic the traditional or do you just say F it and do something innovative and fun that tastes awesome? You know, like, <laughs> and I think there's a good balance of both during the holidays, of as far as tra- kind of mimicking some of those traditional dishes and then also just making things that taste awesome and might be totally outside the box of a family tradition or a classic concept that might be a new tradition for you know bringing to aunt. Irma's or whoever, (laughs) and might be the biggest hit. Um, so I think it's kind of fun to dance on both lines.
3: Yeah. And I think that we get just, I think we're just programmed into like these rules and parameters that we don't even think we lock ourselves into. Like when people say like, well, I'm tired of eggs, what should I eat for breakfast? And I was like, your dinner leftovers. Like, Uh why do you like, there's no such thing as a breakfast, lunch, and dinner food in my world. Food is right. And I'm just going to eat it when I'm hungry, you know, and the holidays are kind of the same way. So I do I like, I love that kind of like holiday tradition and just how it makes me feel. So I try to mimic those foods, but year before last, I was deep in book development and I hosted Thanksgiving and I was like, all right, you guys, this is going to be the weirdest Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> because like you are recipe testing for me. And it was like the strangest spread, but they were all delicious food. So who cares? Like we're together yeah. as a family and we're eating stuff. Maybe this is our new tradition is that it's like potluck style Thanksgiving. So I think people just get really roped into like make believe rules. It's kind yeah. Of, yeah, totally. Yep.
1: I love that. That's so fun. Um, let's also talk now that we're on this holiday train about cocktails and maybe like some alcohol pairing as well, because they like that you're, you know, bending or breaking the rules or whatever. That's always a question we get asked in our virtual keto group is like, someone has to be the first one to say, can I have alcohol on keto? And the answer is yes. You know, you just have to, um, keep it minimal and, and pair it correctly with the right ingredients. So, um, we're really glad you're on board with alcohol being, you know, part of this, what got you into, um, writing your, um, is it called keto, keto happy hour book? Um, and what are kind of some of your favorite cocktail ingredients right now?
3: So that, you know, that book actually was kind of spawned because like, I am a resource provider. If you ask me something too many times, I'm just going to write a book about it, you know? So yes. um, that was like one of the most common things is, can I have alcohol on a low carb diet? And I, I want to say, I don't know. Can you, because people have this idea that things are a one size fits all approach and nothing is keto is not and how you live the lifestyle. So you have to do what works for you. So if working in the occasional cocktail and sometimes more than occasional works for you, and you're still meeting your goals and you're, you know, and you're still healthy and thriving, then that's great if it doesn't have to work for your neighbor. So the first thing I want to say is, if it works for you, yes, awesome. Like, you know, it's kind of like saying like, can we stop demonizing carrots? You know, the kind of the yeah. same thing. So mm-hmm. like, do what works for you. There's no one size fits all approach. And so people ask me over and over, can I have alcohol on a low carb diet? Or they'd say like, oh, I saw that you went wine tasting. Like we can, this is what they say, we can do that or we can have that. <laughs> like as this, as a community, like we're asking for everyone, we dun, can dun, have dun. that. <laughs> dun, dun, uh, you know, and so. I was like well i'm just gonna show people that not only can you have like vodka soda and that's vodka, what i was just gonna say i'm like girl
2: please break us yeah. free from vodka soda and line. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you know that there's other stuff out there and that you know like gluten or you know uh like low carb beers but they still have gluten which is so inflammatory you know so just then i was like okay well i'm gonna go and recreate all of these like cl- like i'm gonna put like a cosmo back on the table and i'm gonna make margaritas and you know so for with that book, I just was like, yes, you can have it if it works for you. And I'm going to one up it a bit and I'm going to make all your favorite drinks now. And so like in that book, I I made simple syrup. I made, you know, low carb sweet and sour. I made low carb ginger syrup to make bases for all of these cocktails. Um, and it turned I was like, there's nothing else out there like it. Like keto and low carb is so huge, but there's not another, a single other low carb or keto drink book out there anywhere. Um, and so I was really excited about that. And that was actually, I pitched it to my publisher and he, I was like, Hey, I have this idea. Like if you don't want to do it, I'll do, I'll totally just do it as an ebook because I have a bunch of eBooks already. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but what do you think? Like, it's a really common question and no one's doing it. And no one's really giving us like, you know, permission, so to speak, that we don't really need, but you know what I'm saying? And so I was like, I'm just going to put a resource out there that's not out there. And The cover of it looks very, very summery, but what I think a lot of people don't realize is that it's half winter drinks also. So there's like hot buttered rum, there's coffee nudge, there's like a boozy hot cocoa in there and um, homemade coffee liqueur, homemade Irish cream. So uh, there's a lot in there for every season as well as like party planning guides and things like that. And so I just wanted to give people this resource once they let themselves say, okay, this is okay, this works for me, obviously, you know, without getting out of control that, hey, you can do it and you can fit it in your current nutritional template.
2: I think that's awesome. That's so great. And right, as as both of us that like to abide, we, we, we were going to fit you in earlier when we were talking about natural ways to prevent a hangover yes. <laughs> <laughs> and all the things. I think that's when we started our conversations. And then we did an episode with Dry Farms and we were like, okay, we're, we need our listeners to know that we're not just booze hounds. We can move away from the alcohol <laughs> conversation. <laughs> so here we are about 20 episodes later. And um, I think especially with the holiday season, again, it's that, like you said, with the carrots, it's that rigidity factor of, if you allow yourself to have this all or nothing dichotomous approach to any element of your lifestyle, whether it's exercise, whether it's diet, whether it's consumption of XYZ then there's a place to fall off and it has to be synergistic it has to be fluid and there has to be ways that you modify your lifestyle to accommodate what feels right what feels sustainable and what feels balancing and socialized consumption of alcohol in a responsible way is a huge piece of a lot of people's lifestyle that they may be able to give up for a three-month window but not for a lifestyle and um, i think it's a really fantastic tool and to empower people with variety beyond just the wine and the, and the, the vodka soda. So very <laughs> yes. I
3: really, I really love the way you worded that. And, and that's kind of what I think too. And I just, it's kind of how I feel about when people say like, do you ever have cheat days? And I go, no, because cheating is a horrible connotation. I go, I yes. don't, re- I go, I don't reward or punish myself with food. I'm not a right. dog. Food should never be a reward or a punishment. And so in my world, no, there's no such thing as a cheat day, but I can tell you hands down, my favorite food in the world is sushi. And that when my husband and I decide to go out to sushi i never have any feelings before after or during surrounding guilt shame it's my own personal food freedom of yes i live a low carb gluten free ketogenic lifestyle i still love sushi and i'm never going to feel bad when i go eat sushi because there's rice in it and it's high carb like sure. it's, and it's and so i just like cheating has this negative dirty oh, connotation yeah. like you're cheating on your spouse you're cheating on, like don't make your you're setting yourself up to feel really bad over food choices when it's like I think the bigger, bigger thing to ask yourself is if I do this, is it a slippery slope for me or do yes. I, re- or does business resume as normal the next day? So mm-hmm, like right. my husband and I can go to sushi tonight and then tomorrow it, we're ba- it's we're back to meat and veggies. Like it's just fine. Whereas some people before they know it, a month has gone by and they have like binged on sugar and carbs because sugar and carbs make you crave sugar and carbs. So I think it's about knowing your limits and not about like saying I, I just hate the word cheat. Like cheat days I hate I, it so yeah. hard. I hate it we, so hard.
2: I have a <laughs> blog I have a blog called yeah. I hate cheat days. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's this the thing. One of my phrases is, you know, that food should be used to empower you, not to have power over you. And when oh my we, god,
3: I love that when
2: we flip that in the wrong way. That's when we're victims to a diet, right? It's like, but we should use food to empower us. We get to decide what role it plays in our body. Um, yes. That's ultimately one of the only things as humans that we have control of. Ultimately, how much we eat, what we select to eat, even even within varied, you know. Influence of income and whatnot, we still have selection elements, and so I think using it to empower us versus having power over us is a, a big game change shift um, of of what diet plays in our in our life.
3: So, yeah, and you uh, you said something about income there, and I you know I've had people say to me like, well, sure, if you can afford to eat healthy, you can afford grass fed meat, and I was said, uh, not always. I used to buy whatever was on sale that week. I just made the best choice that I could make. Right,
2: right. It's always a good, better, best for sure. But yes, exactly. Mm-hmm so before we wrap up it's been super fun um but let's talk uh we ask all of our guests and you'll be one of our favorite ones i'm sure um and then we're gonna catch you on on the uh, spot but what is as dietitians, what is your 24-hour recall so yesterday was sunday if that helps um <laughs> like jarring this is also a game of memory um <laughs> know, so what, is. Is, what did you eat from when you woke up to when you went to bed um yesterday
3: so I'm not much of a breakfast person. So usually for me, it's coffee. And whether it's like coffee with added fats or if it's just black coffee, I love coffee through and through. Um, so yesterday morning was just coffee with a little bit of pumpkin spice and some almond milk and some collagen and MCT, just kind of like my own version of a boosted coffee. And then we went on a nice long walk. And then my first solid food meal of the day, uh, I had a salad with some dairy free ranch and some crispy pork belly, and some green olives, and pickled red onions. Then, in the middle of the day, I made a big batch of chili, but I didn't eat any of it. Then I ate some leftover taco meat. <laughs> <laughs> don't, eat <the> chili. <laughs> don't eat the chili. Well, I like it better than next day. I like the like some. Me too. people actually. say they don't like leftovers, and I was like, man, that's when the flavor happens. Yes. yes. So like I'm like a second day eater. I, I sometimes I will make things and put it in the fridge to eat the next day because I know how much better it's going to taste. So um, the is on the agenda for today. But yeah, that was kind of it for me in terms of I didn't I didn't eat a ton yesterday. I just wasn't very hungry, and I never force myself to eat if I'm not hungry.
1: That's awesome. Awesome. So this has been such a great episode. I really appreciate your time, Kendra, and I'm really inspired to make, I think I'm going to start with, um, I saw your sesame chicken egg roll in the bowl. I always love seeing other people's takes on egg roll in a bowl. Um, And I also saw a strawberry margarita gummy worm on uh, the Keto Happy Hour book. So I'm definitely pumped about that recipe as well. But um, why don't you tell us before we let you go, what you're working on right now. Let's get a little bit more into the dairy Free ketogenic time cooking book. Yeah, Timeline yes.
2: for that coming yeah. out, and then where people can find out more about you yes. if they haven't heard of you yet.
3: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So my current project is called Dairy Free Ketogenic Cooking, and it will be out next May. I don't have the exact date yet. We're still playing around with that, but it will be May timeframe. And it's just it's a hundred. It's like hundred and fifty dairy free keto recipes. Like I said, making it my mission not to have every dairy free recipe have coconut. <laughs> and then just the kind of the front matter is just kind of taking a. Uh, nutritional approach to getting back to health and wellness and vitality. So there's a lot of great resources. Craveable Keto told a lot of my personal story. Um, this is kind of going to be the part two of my personal story, but also with a lot of uh, resources, resources in there. So probably about a hundred pages or more of resources as well as 150 wow. recipes. And um, as far as where to find me, I'm pretty well branded under peace, love, and low carb. So anything like any, put it that into Google, like you're just everything, all roads are going to lead to me, but my site is peace, love, and low carb.com. Uh, peace, love, and low carb on Instagram and Facebook, and on Pinterest, and on Twitter. Like, it's just, it's peace, love, and low carb <laughs> all around. <so>.
2: Good job. <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure. And we look forward to keeping an eye on all things you put out in the universe and um, sharing your resource with our community. Thanks so much. Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast.